Hello, everyone, and welcome to WSU Sports Zoom Talk. And we have you pumped right here for your NBA preview. They're back in Orlando for the regular season. I'm Christian Gardner, and alongside maybe the best panel to break down the NBA, Wilner Lewis and Heaven Hill. Guys, how excited are you that we are back seeing some basketball in Orlando? Christian, I have to say it's been a long four months. You know, back in March, Lakers are riding high just coming off those wins against the Clippers and the Bucks, We don't have to talk about their loss to the Nets. And then whole season just derailed due to a, a pandemic that is still actively ravaging America. So now the NBA has obviously developed a bubble, has gotten it under control, you know, daily testing and whatnot. Basketball is finally back. We're here to conclude the NBA season, crown a rifle champion. Been watching a, a ton of basketball over the past week, whether it was just random scrimmages, the WNBA this past weekend, I must say I, I am super pumped for the season return on the 30th. Yeah, for those that's listening right now, you know, Heaven has his Lakers jersey on, so that's how you know he's really excited uh, to see the NBA starts. For me, you know, I'm extremely excited as well. Again, like we said before, uh, the NBA should have well been done right now, should have been done right now, but of course the pandemic hit and all that. But to see professional sports and live sports and basketball find a way to restart action, find a way to play safely, you know, that's the important thing to make sure that everybody is safe. But to see action finally happen, you know, that's important. Um, for me, I haven't been able to watch any of the scrimmages yet because there's been a lot of things that's just I've been having to deal with. But, you know, once the season does start on the 30th, I'll make sure I'll find a way to a TV or, or my laptop to make sure I'll see those first couple of games. So let's just jump right into it, all right? It's been over four and a half months since we saw some regular season basketball. And what are some matchups that you're excited to see in this first week coming up? In terms of some matchups, I would say I'm excited to watch. I mean, I'd be a fool to not say Lakers versus Clippers on opening night. Obviously, uh, the media and, and the fans of, of both teams have turned it into a bit of a rivalry. You know, of course, over the past couple of years, the Clippers have dominated the Lakers in terms of win-loss. But now this season, these two teams are, are at the top of the West, at the top of the game. Each team has two superstars. And now on opening night, we get to see round four of this matchup. Now, uh, I won't take this game as, as serious as everyone did on Christmas or the game in March. This game should be treated just the same as, as the one on opening night. I mean, a long layoff. We, we know now the Clippers will be missing Lou Will on opening night. The Lakers were missing Kyle Kuzma and Alex Caruso and, and, and Jared Dudley, Quinn Cook, Troy Daniels, all those guys played major minutes. And, and Paul George missed opening night for the Clippers as well. So back then on opening night and, and this opening night, these, these, or those two games, I should say, I should say, shouldn't be taken, you know, as, as serious as the, the game on Christmas and the game in March was. Now, that's not to say completely disregard the matchup. You know, obviously, this will be a, a great chance, you know, for, for fans and other coaches to scout, you know, the, the game plans of the Lakers and Clippers, you know, pick up on certain tendencies. So it'll be a fun watch. Uh, other matchups I'm, I'm looking forward to over those first two days. Um, Grizzlies versus Blazers and the Celtics versus the Bucks. Uh, the Grizzlies and the Blazers, obviously the, the Grizzlies are in the eighth seed currently and the Blazers are 
I believe, the 10th seed. So these seeding games are extremely important for those teams in the West, you know, grouped right in that that little uh, cluster of squads. We'll, we'll get into that more later. But that first game, you know, the Grizzlies, obviously, they, they're trying to hold on to that eighth spot the best way they can. And you get a great – or at least a team with a great duo, you know, in the Blazers. They went to the Western Conference Finals last season, dealt with a ton of injuries early on in the year. Now this is a new team. They've, they've got Skinny Mello. You've got Dame and CJ. That should be a fun watch. And then with the Celtics versus the Bucks, obviously the Bucks have the best record in the league, have the, the likely MVP, the potential defensive player of the year. That should be an exciting matchup for the Celtics. You know, how will they guard Giannis? They've had some playoff battles in the past. How will Tatum perform after the long layoff? Jalen Brown, he's been phenomenal and really, you know, made that contract extension worth it. You know, it'll be interesting to see that battle between Eastern Conference heavyweights. Yeah, I think for me, of course, like like Heaven said, that Lakers versus Clippers matchup, I believe that's on everybody's calendar because, you know, not only is it against two teams that are in L.A., it's against two teams that, like Heaven said, the media really made rivalries. Um, and it's against, again, LeBron versus Kawhi, you know, A.D. versus Paul George. And if the NBA was able to make it an opening day matchup when the regular season started, Know, before this whole quarantine thing, and then making a Christmas matchup, you know that this is going to be a big matchup. Again, it's going to be a question of you know how everybody's going to react with the layoff. How are people going to flip the switch? You know, from the scrimmages to uh, the regular season. Of course, Lou Will's not going to be able to play in that game, so there's going to be a lot of question marks with that game. But just on paper, it should be a pretty good matchup in terms of. Uh, other matchups that I'll be interested in seeing over that regular season stint, uh, the Lakers against the Raptors. I, I think that should be a pretty good matchup. Of course, the Raptors uh, being able to go to the Western Conference Finals the way that they did uh, off that game-winning shot. And then the Lakers uh, being final favorites for the NBA. I think that should be a good matchup. Memphis versus New Orleans. Of course, you have the two Rookie of the Year candidates uh, in Zion Williamson and John Morant. So seeing them just go up against each other once again, uh, that should be a good matchup. And then uh, the Rockets against the uh, Trailblazers, um, of course. Oh, I said the Raptors, excuse me, the Raptors winning the NBA championship. I just realized I made that mistake earlier. Um, and then, of course, the Rockets and then the Trailblazers, you know, the way that their matchup ended uh, in the playoffs last year, it would be interesting to see how they react with that matchup. Uh, and how with no fans, you know, how the energy with those games would be. So for me, I think those are probably the four main matchups that I'll be interested in seeing. I think a lot of the matchups in uh, the regular season are are good, but I think those four matchups are probably going to be your top-of-the-notch matchups uh, for me to see with the regular season starting. Well, you both brought up the Grizzlies, and I just – and excited to see what they're going to do. Because I feel like they, in this new play-in format, they have the most to lose, but they have, they're have such a young team with an absolute dog in John Morant. So I, I'm really excited to see them against the entire field. But, you know, I was always told as a kid, you know, try to see the best out of everything. And we've had this four-month hiatus. Is there any team to you that maybe had benefited from this time off and either they were reeling right before the break in action and either through injuries or just had a couple losses 
string strung together and have been able to use this time to be more beneficial from themselves. I would say if there was one team that benefited the, the most from this time off, it would have to be by far the 76ers. I mean, back in March, Ben Simmons was dealing with a, a nagging back injury that really sapped him of his ability, you know, how he plays lanes and how he drives the basket and how he facilitates. Your back is, I mean, super crucial to you as a basketball player. You know, I'm not Ben Simmons, but he was dealing with that nagging back injury and it really took, you know, a lot of his explosiveness and his leaping ability, his athleticism that, that he displays on the court. Now he's had four and a half months to get healthy back to the defensive dynamo that he is. Also, you know, the rest of that 76ers team, I believe Joel Embiid had a shoulder sprain back in March. Josh Richardson was in concussion protocol. The, the whole team was, was basically, you know, decimated. They've all dealt with, you know, various injuries. So now, you know, not only are they back to full health, but everyone in the league is back to full health. And the Sixers are, are in great shape for the restart. Also, we know how Philly struggles playing on the road. You know, at home, they're one of the, the better teams in the league. But on the road, I believe they're, they're close to, to 500. Obviously, that's not a great look for a supposedly elite team, or at least a team with, you know, a ton of stars. Now you get to play in a, a location, you know, with no loud booing fans or extra presser. So theoretically, they should thrive. Yeah, I think in terms of teams I was able to recover from injuries, of course, the 76ers, like Evan said, but also I feel like the Lakers honestly benefited from this time off too because you remember earlier – uh, this year, LeBron had that groin injury, and you know maybe it might not have been significant, but LeBron is aging, so you know with those injuries, it might take a little bit more time for him to recover. And if the Lakers want to make a push for the finals, they're going to need LeBron. I think there's no question about that. So for LeBron being able to you know rest up a little bit, still I believe doing his workouts um, at home and stuff like that, but having a way lighter load then what would be expected of him if the season did start would help the Lakers and, you know, help them become that finals uh, champion that they should be and that everybody thinks that they will be. Um, in terms of the actual bubble format and playing with no fans, I mean, all, all of the lower seeds, to be honest with you, benefit from that format because, again, there is no true home court advantage. If there is – uh, any rules that the NBA might be thinking of in terms of who uh, benefits to give the higher seed, I don't think any of those benefits are really going to be similar to a benefit of playing in front of a sold-out crowd in a playoff game. So we look at a lot of, like, the lower seeds, like the 76ers, for example, or the Rockets, you know, the Thunder, you know, those teams that will probably have to play – would have played a majority of games on the road now having to play – on essentially a neutral site where you're going strength for strength with a team. So I think in terms of the actual format, you know, those lower seeded teams are going to benefit. But in terms of the time off, uh, the 76ers and the Lakers, I think both benefited from it the most. Yeah, as you said, Willard, one of those teams that the format benefits is, I mean, a team that for some people probably shouldn't be there in the first place, but the Washington Wizards. Before – the, the hiatus, they had one of the toughest schedules to finish out the final month of basketball, and they had to make up a lot of ground to catch the Orlando Magic, who had one of the easiest schedules. But now, 
with this new playing format, they just have to win two games and ha- and basically have a chance to make it into the playoffs and take out either the Orlando Magic or the Brooklyn Nets. But, Wilner, you brought up the Lakers, and they are a clear favorite alongside the Milwaukee Bucks to take and be in this finals format and make it to the finals. But who is a team that would you say is a dark horse that you could very much see making a deep run into the playoffs, but maybe a lot of people don't expect? I think for me, no, the team, I think it's hard for teams in the West to possibly make it out because again, you have the top heavy Lakers, you have the Clippers, uh, even the Nuggets who have been you know, pretty good uh, up until this point. So I think it's going to be hard for a dark horse to come out of the West. But I think the East, you definitely could have a couple of dark horses. And by two, two, two teams, you know, the Miami Heat and the uh, Philadelphia 76ers. The Miami Heat, of course, you have Jimmy Butler and you have Bam. And those two players have been tremendous stars for Miami. Uh, it's going to be a little bit of a question of what can their guards do uh, down there. But you have Andre Iguodala, who will possibly do a little something, depending on you know, how well he's playing and how well he's going to be able to gel with the team. Uh, Tyler Hero, you know, how well is he going to be able to uh, keep up what he's been doing, uh, showing the flashes that he's been uh, doing. So I think if all comes together, you know, the Miami Heat could be a good team. And then the 76ers, uh, Ben Simmons, you know, them changing up the lineup where Ben Simmons is at the four. I mean, then you have Shake Milton at the one. And Shake Milton has shown, you know, before the hiatus that he could be a starting point guard in the league. Uh, it's just going to be a question of, is he going to be able to keep it up? You know, Ben Simmons has shown through the um, scrimmage games that he's willing to shoot the ball a little bit more. Um, and that's been Achilles' heel of the 76ers is, are they going to have any shooters to beat one of the better teams that could possibly shoot? If Ben Simmons does have the confidence where he wants to shoot it a little bit more, you no know, teams are going to have to guard that. Um, and that's going to open up the floor a little bit more for the 76ers. So I think again, the Miami Heat have the potential if they continue to gel to be a real good contender uh, in these playoffs. And I think the 76ers, if everything goes the way that they want it to go, I think could also be a good contender uh, in the playoffs. Yeah, Will brought up an interesting point about the Sixers. I mean, right now, currently they're the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference, I believe. And I believe that team is, is much better, you know, than a sixth seed. I like the chances actually against the Celtics in the first round. But if we're looking at a dark horse out of the West, I would have to say that the Houston Rockets, you know, currently they're the, the sixth seed, and I like their chance to at least make it to the, the second round. It all depends on what version of the Rockets we get. Now, are we getting NBA MVP, one of the best offensive players in the history of the league, James Harden, or are we getting the same James Harden who has – routinely struggled in the playoffs like we've seen time and time again. Are we getting Russell Westbrook, who elevated his game down the stretch and averaged 33 points, seven rebounds, six assists in February, shooting 40% from three, which is absurd for him? Or are we getting the Sam Westbrook, who has the most playoff games in the last decade with 15 or more missed shots? At the end of the day, the Rockets, you know, they will rise or fall when it comes to their two guys, you know, at the top. Tom will tell. Also, now that they've traded Capella, you know, to the Hawks, they're, they're leaning fully into the, the small ball movement. How will it look in the playoffs against, you know, bigger teams like 
potentially the Lakers, you know, obviously the Nuggets. We, we've seen that lineup. They were running in the scrimmage. There's a lot of teams with great front court depth. And then you look at the Rockets front court and it's just PJ Tucker, you know, Jeff Green, albeit both PJ Tucker and Jeff Green have you know, performed adequately as small ball fives. How will they be able to do that over the, the course of an entire playoff series? A lot could go wrong for this team, but there's a lot of interesting variables that if they pan out, they could, you know, upset a team in the first round and move on. So if the bracket stays as is, like no movement whatsoever, then they would play the, the Nuggets. If the, the Rockets move up for, to, to fifth, then they'll play the Jazz. You know, we've seen the, them obviously beat the Jazz in the playoffs before. I like the Rockets' chances against both of those teams. Um, the Nuggets, while extremely good, you know, they made the, the Western Conference Finals last year. I am still a little bit on the fence about them. I feel like they're a great regular season team. And last year in the playoffs, I mean, they had to fight with the Spurs and they made the Western Conference Finals. Great team. I'm not trying to knock what the Nuggets are doing at all, but I'm not as big as a believer as the rest of the media or, you know, any other fans. As far as the Jazz, I don't have to make my opinions known on Rudy Gobert. He's he's fraudulent. And, and Donovan Mitchell, he's a great player. He's had a phenomenal season. But how he plays in the playoffs, you know, he could get a little streaky. So I like the Rockets' chances against both of those teams, regardless of how the standings shake out. I, I personally have more faith in, in Harden in the first round. Westbrook in the first round, a little iffy. But if we're looking at potential dark horses, it, it's definitely, you know, them out of the West. I completely agree with that. I mean, on paper, the Houston Rockets should be one of the top teams in the East when you have two MVPs on that roster. But it's like you said, you don't know what you can get from the Rockets. But if they're playing their best basketball, they can be one of the best teams in the league. And, I mean, for the Denver Nuggets, that would be a very interesting matchup. And going against Jokic against the small ball lineup, and we just saw Jokic playing point for the Nuggets. In, in these scrimmage games. So it could be very, very interesting to see what happens out West. But going off on the rock, on the Denver Nuggets, in this past week, we saw Bull Bull for the first time. And what he's been able to do, standing at so tall height and still shooting so many threes. So I like to call this, for some teams, the NBA Orlando Summer Internship, that they'll be there, they'll play their eight games, and then they'll head on back home, and then we said, ah, good, good job, good job, we did it. But who are some players that you would like to see that you're excited to see when they're playing on their NBA Orlando summer internship? Looking at some players around the league, or the guys invited to Orlando, should I say. Um, I would have to say the Suns. I would say that the Suns is definitely one of the teams, specifically the, the younger guys, uh, DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker. Aiden averaged 21 points and, and 12 rebounds with about two blocks in February. And we saw during a recent scrimmage, he hit a three, you know, for the first time in his career. So it's been exciting to, to watch his growth. Yes, he was drafted over Trey and Luca, despite Suns hiring Luca's coach from overseas. But he's been quietly progressing as a player. So it's going to be interesting to, to watch him over these eight seeding games. 
obviously he's playing against teams with much higher stakes and the Suns could technically make a bid for the, the playing tournament that they seed. So it'll be interesting to watch him with Devin Booker, watching him play basketball is, is always a treat. He has the complete package in terms of scoring from every level. His three point percentage has taken a bit of a dip this season compared to last, but we all know Devin Booker is one of the better shooters in the league. Love watching his game. He's got it all. And if he came to the Lakers in the future, I wouldn't be mad at all. Now, in the Eastern Conference, I would I'll have to say, obviously, the, the Wizards. You know, yeah, they have Bradley Beal, but uh, I personally love the young guys, too. Um, over the past few years, it's been like Lakers East over there for some reason. They, they got Thomas Bryant and last year or last uh, offseason, I should say, with the Lakers trying to clear uh, cap space for Kawhi Leonard, the Lakers sent Mo Wagner, Isaac Bonga, and I believe it was Jamario Jones. So all those guys have made huge strides in, in Washington. We saw Thomas Bryant last season and what he can do. Mo Wagner in November averaged like 12 points on 60% from the field and 40% from three. I mean, I've never seen him play at the level he was playing early in the season. And then Isaac Bonga, you know, when we drafted or when the Lakers drafted him in the, the second round over D'Anthony Melton, I was absolutely crushed. But since then, I mean, the guy's like a six, eight point guard with above average defense and he's flashing some, some outside range. So it's been exciting. It's been great to, to watch those guys develop credit to the, the Wizards uh, development staff and, and who they have working with, with these guys. And now that they've all evolved into, you know, some elite or some above average role players, contributors, despite their draft slot, all those guys were, were later picks. So I would definitely say those guys, Thomas Bryant, Mo Wagner, Isaac Bonga, and then DeAndre Ian and Devin Booker, I'll be watching their, their eight seeding games, you know, pretty closely. And your boy Bonga had a pretty good night Saturday night. He had his first double-double in the league yeah. against the Clippers. So, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he is your son. Maybe he is. <laughs> his son? So, you think Heaven really got yeah. skills like that? I taught him everything he knows. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it didn't show in our intramural game. I'm just going to say that. But <laughs> for me, um, you know, I had the sons on my list of teams that or a list of, of teams, yeah, that are just going to play their eight games and, you know, see you later, have fun in Disney, you know, go on the ride, stay safe. But after those eight games are up, like, we'll see you later. So, um, and, I mean, honestly, the same thing for me, like McCall Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, like, those three guys I do like seeing night in and night out, uh, especially Bridges coming from Villanova, you know, a big, big East guy, so. Now, interested to see how, how when Big East players uh, play in the league, how they're able to do. And Villanova has always, you know, produced pretty good <laughs> players. Um, but outside of that, you know, I'm going to say somebody that, you know, maybe he might not play only eight games. Maybe he might make a bid uh, in the playoffs, but I really don't think so. And I think Zion Williamson, you know, with the Pelicans, I, for me, I don't think, that um, the Pelicans are going to make a bid in the playoffs. I think they might make it into the play-in games for the eighth seed, yes. But, you know, I think I, I just – for right now, I don't see them making up enough ground, you know, for them to really make it into the playoffs. And, of course, 
you know, Zion has slimmed down over this whole quarantine layoff, you know, maybe could be a little bit more explosive. Who knows? You know, we might not see it in, in game one or game two, but when he gets to like game five, game six, maybe even the playing games for the seed, you know, we might really start seeing what Zion, you know, can do. And if he's going to be able to carry the load to take the Pelicans over uh, into the playoff spot. So I think, you know, seeing what he would be able to do, uh, of course, after the layoff, uh, after healing up a little bit, um, it depends, you know, how how much games he's going to miss depending on uh, the quarantine with him coming back in the bubble and, and of course, uh, stuff like that. But I think, you know, seeing the way that Zion Williamson can play would be something uh, spectacular, especially later down in the regular season. But I also don't see the Pelicans making a push in that playoff spot. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Let, let's just get right into that seeding race. I mean, there are 22 teams that made it down to Orlando, but only 16 will make the playoffs. Now, we might have a good vision of what the East will look like as the Wizards are the only team on the outside looking in. But out in the West, you have at number one, Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, Jazz, Thunder, Rockets, Mavericks, and Grizzlies in that final spot. But vying to take the seat of the Grizzlies is the Trailblazers, Pelicans, as you said, Wilner, Kings, Spurs, and Sun. Now, how do you see that final games and how the final seeding will come into in the playoffs. What's your prediction? Do you think anyone can catch the Grizzlies in a play-in format, or will we not even see that at all? Now, I think, Christian, honestly, you might be jumping the gun with the Wizards in the East. And the reason why I say that is because I think the Nets just don't have that many pieces to stay in the playoffs. You know, they had, I believe, seven players that said that they're going to sit out uh, due to, you know, other reasons and stuff like that. So, realistically, you only have Karis LeVert and Jared Allen on the Nets. Now, are those two players pretty good? Yes. We've seen what Karis LeVert could do in a couple of games. You know, I believe, you know, he willed um, the Nets back against the Celtics earlier this year. I don't remember the specific numbers and the specific score, you know, but, you know, He's a great player. Jared Allen has shown, you know, time in and time out that he could be a good player. But I think when you're missing a lot of those pieces that the Nets relied on and then you look at the other teams that's in the bubble, honestly, it could be possible that the Nets lose all eight games in a regular season, which, you know, gives the Wizards a perfect opportunity to find their way into that playoffs as a possibly the eighth or maybe even, you know, the seventh seed. I think that one might be pushing it, but – I do think the Wizards might have a little luck to make it into the playoffs. I don't think that Brooklyn uh, is going to find a way to stay in the playoffs. That's for the East. Over for the West, I think for the most part, those eight teams that are in already are probably going to stay. Definitely the first seven. I don't think the Mavericks are going to lose their footing anytime soon. I think – if you have one team that will make a push into the playoffs, I think the Portland Trailblazers might find their way uh, into the eighth slot. Again, I don't think the Pelicans or the Kings are really going to make it, and I think the Spurs and the Suns have too many too much ground to make up for them to make it to the playoffs. So I think, again, one through seven, you're probably going to have those same teams, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Nuggets, Jazz, Thunder, Rockets, and Mavericks. But I do think there is that possibility that the Portland Trailblazers will make it in as the eighth seed. but 
again, I think that's the only, you know, mix-up that you might see um, in terms of the seeding. Uh, and again, the matchups itself, you know, do they really matter um, in terms of what these teams are really looking for? You know, if for whatever reason the Thunder move up to the four slot or they move to the three slot, you know, are their matchups really going to matter that much since everybody has to play in that bubble? You know, that's going to be another question to to really see what happens when the playoffs do start. But again, to your question, Christian, of in terms of the seeding, I think in the East, you're going to see the Brooklyn Nets find a way to fall out of the playoffs. And I think in the West, the Grizzlies might fall out. But I'm not as confident in that one. But I don't know why I'm so confident that the Nets are going to fall out. But I do think that they're going to find a way to fall out. But I think in the West, the Portland Trailblazers probably have the best shot at getting in over uh, any other team. And again, I think the Grizzlies would probably be that one team to fall out if the Portland Trailblazers were to get in. Now, I want to circle back to your Wizards pick because I, I think you might be right. I think they are very able to force at least getting into the playing tournament. Like you said, the Brooklyn Nets lost a lot of their star players, but I mean, we can't bring up the Wizards without saying there is no Bradley Beal, there is no Davis Bertans, and of course, there is no John Wall. But on Saturday night, they nearly beat a Clippers team with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George without those players and including not Troy Brown, one of their best young players. So I think there is a chance for the Wizards to make the playoffs. But, Hev, what are you thinking for the seeding in the East and also in the West? Well, you brought up an interesting point about the Wizards. I mean, like, like you said, that the Nets, their roster over the last couple of weeks have really or has really been – decimated. I mean, it got to a point where they had to sign Michael Beasley and they brought in Jamal Crawford. Who knows how washed he is at this point. They're uh, a shell of the Nets team that we saw last July. So uh, as far as them falling out of the race, like you said, uh, Christian, I mean, they're missing, or the Wizards, I should say, are missing Beal, Davis Bertans, the two, they're, they're two arguably best players. You know, the Nets are missing a ton of guys. And and the, the Nets' second game in the bubble, or second official game, I should say, is against the Wizards on August 2nd. So that game circled on the calendar. That'll be interesting to see. Uh, as far as the, the teams in the West and, and how the seeding will shake out there, uh, the Grizzlies, they're, they're holding on to the eighth seed right now. And credit to, to Ja and – Jaron and everybody on that squad, but like Will said, I, there's just there's just too many factors. The, the standings are simply just too close in the West, and the deck seems to be super stacked against them. I mean, they have to play the Jazz, the Thunder, the Raptors, the Celtics, and the Bucks all in a row. So I mean, that's that's five games against solidified teams in the playoffs. At that point, the Thunder and the Jazz will most likely still be playing for seeding. The Celtics and the Raptors as well. The Bucks, the only team there that doesn't have to worry about seeding. I think they win like one game and they clinch the, the top overall seed. So you've got all those teams still jostling for position in their respective conferences. And the Grizzlies' first couple of games in the bubble are against Blazers, Spurs, Pelicans. That's three straight teams giving their absolute best every night because they want your spot. The Grizzlies and the Pelicans games, I mean, the Spurs-Pelicans games, 
that the Grizzlies are playing. That's a back-to-back. So you, you play one team Sunday on August 2nd. Then you got the next team Monday, August 3rd. So, I mean, all these teams are, are gunning for the Grizzlies spot. If they manage to hold on to this eighth seed, then J.B. Bickerstaff or whoever's their coach. I don't know why I just said J.B. Bickerstaff. I think it's Taylor something. Not the point. Their coach deserves some coach of the year love. As far as the Pelicans, their their games look significantly easier. You know, I like Zion. You know, obviously he's quarantining now, but he, the stats he was putting up before the season was derailed. I mean, he was putting up Shaq and, and David Robinson rookie numbers. Just phenomenal competitor. Obviously, we've seen the, the strides that Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram have made over the, you know, the last uh, season or two. And they have a ton of other solid players as well. Josh Hart, Drew Holiday, Nicola Melli, Jackson Hayes. So it's, it's a very nice team. All comes down to really how these teams play against each other. You know, the Pelicans and the Grizzlies play each other, like I mentioned. The, the Pelicans play the, the Kings, the Spurs as well. They play the Kings twice. So as far as seeding, I mean, we – I'm personally just automatically crossing the, the nets off the, the bracket. I feel as if their team has shifted around way too much compared to the regular season to the point where they just will not look the same. And the same could go for the Kings. I mean, it was a point a couple of weeks ago where it was just every couple of days one of their players was revealed to have the coronavirus. And we've heard stories over the last couple of months how coronavirus really just destroys these these athletes, you know, uh, inside in terms of breathing and conditioning. So who knows how those players on the Kings will react. So if we're looking at how the seeding will pan out, I don't know if the Wizards can, can make a push for the AC. I think the Magic will definitely move up to seventh and the Nets will drop to eighth. As far as the Nets falling out completely and getting replaced by the Wizards, time will tell. Both teams have been decimated. I like the, the Nets' chances more than the Wizards. But like you said, Christian, the, the Wizards have shown some interesting flashes during these scrimmages. So who knows how they'll look when the lights come on as far as the Western Conference. Um, I think in terms of overall seeding, uh, there, there could definitely be some, some shifting uh, between, uh, I believe, the, the, the Rockets and the Thunder are tied in, in record right now, and they share the sixth and the fifth seed respectively. So those two teams might swap. The Nuggets are 43-22. and 22, The Jazz are 41-23. and 23. I mean, that whole block from, from two to six in the West, those teams can, can really shift any way possible. So the Nuggets could slide to sixth. Thunder could slide to, to three. Who knows? But looking at the lower seeds, I think the Mavericks are, are basically locked into seventh. And I think that the Pelicans replace Grizzlies for the eighth seed. I think I'm with you, Hev. I, I don't think the Mavericks can move anywhere. I think the Rockets are just on the rise right now. The Grizzlies, just the cards are just stacked against them right now. And I, before the season, J.J. Reddick, he said, I'd never miss the playoffs. Zion, you better not mess this up for me. So we'll <laughs> see if that comes to fruition at all. But, I mean, we don't have to talk about the bottom of the standings. Let's let's get right to what we're all here for, what we're all vying for in Orlando, and that's a championship. 
who are some teams, your top contenders, and let me get your finals prediction matchup. Will, we'll start with you. You know, I, again, I think throughout this whole whole show, you know, I've, I've been really um, praising the Lakers and – you know, I, I, I would be – it wouldn't be consistent of me to say that the Lakers would not be a contender. So, definitely you have the Lakers being up there as a contender out for the finals. Also have the other L.A. team, I think the Clippers, you know, you have them up as a contender. Uh, and then you go to the top seed in the East, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, with who's probably will be the MVP. You know, we might talk about that later. Uh, Giannis, you know, I think that he's been having a great – season you can't rule out the the bucks i think again if you start going into a little bit more of the dark horses uh the boston celtics i think if they're clicking on all cylinders they could probably make a push in the east uh the toronto raptors of course i think they can start making a push for the east but i i, I don't think anybody under the three seed would really be a top contender um, could there possibly be more series that gets pushed to like game sixes, game sevens? Yes. But I think when you look at the, the better half of the um, conference on both sides, the Bucks and, um, or the Bucks on the East, the Raptors on the East, the Celtics on the East. And then if you go to the West, the Lakers, the Clippers, um, and then maybe even the Nuggets, I think, you know, those teams have shown, you know, wider, uh, a top, you know, of the conference. And I think those are probably the more, the higher contenders uh, for the NBA finals. I mean, when we're looking at top contenders, uh, I'd say, like you said, Will, the, the Bucks. they've been historically dominant. I mean, this has been one of the most, I mean, just well-oiled machine, perfectly, beautifully constructed from top to bottom. Um, yeah, and, and in Los Angeles, you've got all the star power. The Lakers have beat the Bucks. The Lakers have beat the Clippers. The Clippers have beat the Lakers. Bucks have beat the Clippers. Everybody's just, you know, wins and, and losses against each other. And, you know, but in Milwaukee, they've got one top guy who's one of the best players this, you know, in the last couple of years, just the stats he's putting up. He's the presumptive MVP. They're they're the top seed by a few games. They're one of the best regular season teams in league history. I mean, historically dominant defense. They have the, the third best defense on record adjusted for overall scoring. I mean, from top to bottom. Yes, they have Giannis, but they've got guys like Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe. Dante DiVincenzo, George Hill, Marvin Williams, Brooke Lopez, Robin Lopez. They, I mean, they're insane. They are absolutely insane from top to bottom. I keep saying it because, you know, the Lakers and the Clippers have uh, all the, the eyes on them. And obviously the Lakers, I believe, are the favorites in, in Vegas. But the Bucks right now, somehow a team as dominant as them is starting to get a little underrated, you know. In, in some circles, you know, everyone's talking about playoff Kawhi and, and playoff LeBron. And, oh, Anthony Davis is averaging 30 and 13 in the playoffs. And Paul George last season finished top three in, in MVP and, and defensive player of the year voting. And me as a, as a as a Lakers fan, it sometimes pains me to say, but that team in Milwaukee, I mean, they are absolutely insane. And, and last season, 
you know, you can say they underachieved, but they, they really didn't. They really didn't. They were the number one overall seed then. They had the league's best defense then. I mean, looking at their, their game-by-game results, but before they lost to Toronto, they were just stomping teams. And these are playoff-caliber teams. I mean, they, they went 10-1 and before they lost four straight to Toronto. And they were winning those games by over 15 points per game. These guys are insane. And they don't have to play an L.A. team until the finals. So I think, you know, obviously, the, the like Will said, you, you've got the Raptors, you've got the Celtics in the East. But the Bucks right now, they're, they're just a tier above. They're just a tier above. And, and yeah, the, the Lakers and Clippers are top contenders, you know, obviously as, as the top seeds in the West. And we, we've seen how each of them have fared against the Bucks this season. But I think if we're looking at just top contender overall, it, it has to be the Bucks. There, there's, there's no other team. They've been absolutely phenomenal. Not even talking about Giannis, but Chris Middleton. The strides he has made in the last two years, he gets some slander, you know, for disappearing, you could say, in the playoff series against the Raptors last season. But this year, Middleton has been, in, in my opinion, the, the best or one of the better, you know, second stars. Obviously, you've got Anthony Davis, Paul George, you've got Joel Embiid, Kemba Walker, and in Boston, who is supposed to be the lead guy, has become the, the second guy to Jason Tatum. I think Chris Middleton belongs right up there with him. When he plays without Giannis, you know, people are saying Middleton can't create and, and he's lacking, you know, shot uh, creation ability, and, and Giannis attracts the defense, and that's why Middleton's playing so well. Without Giannis on the court, Middleton's averaging 31 points, eight rebounds, six assists per 36 minutes. Only players, you know, even close to those numbers, you know, this season, Giannis, Kawhi, and Luka. So, you know, Middleton gets some slander, and and sometimes it it might be, you know, deserved, and he's not the the flashiest guy, but the numbers he's put up this year have been insane. I think just looking at top contenders, we have to say that the Bucs are the leading title favorite. I think it's really interesting, though, to be the top team in the NBA, like you said, like the best team, and still get slept on. It doesn't make any sense. It's absurd. It doesn't make any sense. You have the best player in the league, and yet people still don't believe in the Milwaukee Bucks. It's such a strange thing to think about. But who is your finals matchup and eventually your champion in this? Have We'll start with you. Now, I know I just spent the last couple of minutes gushing about the Bucks and, and, and who they have and all their great players. But, I mean, come on. Like Will said, I have the LeBron jersey on. I've been a Lakers fan through and through all my life. It, it'd be sacrilegious of me to pick against my squad. It, it's gotten to that point where, you know, LeBron is, is talking about Washed King and, and the kid from Akron, and he's breathing different and there's rumors he has a hyperbaric chamber in his room we've never seen it I don't know it's probably true I feel as if at this point I just don't want to doubt him you know people have picked against him in the past and it it's 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 bit them in the butt you know I will say that so in terms of finals prediction I feel like it's might be a, a bit of a cop-out to say this, and it's the, the popular pick, but 
it has to be Lakers Bucks. I mean, the, the Clippers, while a great team, I feel like I'd be a madman to pick against playoff LeBron James. I mean, Kawhi had one of the best postseasons of all time last season. LeBron's been doing it for the last, you know, decade or so. So I feel like, like I said, I have to pick them to come out the West and then in the East. The Bucks, they're just a, a tier above everyone. They've just been stomping every team they've come across. And, you know, the Raptors, while a great team, credit to Nick Nurse and, and Pascal Siakam and the development system over there, I just don't like their chances against the Bucks if it gets to an Eastern Conference final series between the two. So, finals prediction, Lakers, Bucks, finals winner. <sighs> Got to go Lake Show. Got to go Lake Show. Lake Show putting down for L.A. And I, <laughs> I, I think you're right. But, Will, what you feeling? What you thinking? I think what really benefits Milwaukee to come out of the East is the fact that it's a seven-game series, you know, not a, not a three-game series or, or a single elimination. I think if it was one of those, then maybe a different team would come uh, out of the East. But like having said, just Milwaukee Bucks, you know, top to bottom, you know, from their starters to their bench unit, uh, they are a pretty good team. So I don't think any other team in a seven-game series is going to be able to beat Milwaukee out of the East. Uh, I think same goes for the Lakers out in the West. I think, like Kevin been saying, you know, LeBron just the way that he's been able to perform, and we've seen, you know, crazy playoff runs that you know, LeBron has been able to go on. You know, 2018 is, is one that, that really resonates, you know, and that was recent too. So I think, you know, the Lakers with LeBron, with Anthony Davis, you know, with their unit, um, I think, there, there's no way that they will not come out of the West. Again, the Clippers are a pretty good team. Paul George and Kawhi, you know, they, they, they've shown that they're a pretty good tandem uh, with the Clippers. But, again, I think the Lakers in a seven-game series, you know, are going to be able to come out of the West. For that being said, that's the finals matchup, the Bucks and the Lakers. And I still think, again – as good as Milwaukee is, I think the Lakers, you know, are going to be playing with a little bit more of an edge. I think, again, Milwaukee is a solid team, but I think when you have Anthony Davis, when you have LeBron James, you know, even J.R. Smith, as crazy as it sounds, you know, in, in the scrimmages, J.R. has been showing, you know, he, he's getting back to basketball uh, shape. You know, a lot of those players, you know, they have have a little bit of experience. I think the Lakers in a seven-game series will be able to take down uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. I think it, that, that series will probably go down to six or seven. But I think the Lakers, you know, are going to be able to edge out the Milwaukee Bucks. I think LeBron James, you know, with this layoff, with this time to really clear his mind, you know, clear his thoughts and stuff like that, I think that, you know, L.A. is really going to be able to extend. The L.A. is really going to be able to win another NBA championship. Again, you just you can't bet on LeBron or bet against LeBron, you know, especially with this scenario, especially with what he's been able to do, especially with this amount of layoff. And we know how well LeBron has been able to take care of his body and stuff like that. So, uh the matchup being Milwaukee against the Lakers with the Lakers winning the NBA Finals. 
I think it's just we have two teams that are just so dominant in this league, and they have been the entire year. But I would be remiss if we went this whole show in the name of Jory Mickens to not mention the Denver Nuggets. Just in the name of Jory Mickens. Let's oblige the man, Jory Mickens. I mean, but listen, I've been talking about them. I said that they're a contender, but I just don't think that they'll be able to edge out anybody. I, I think as it stands right now, if the Nuggets were to meet the Clippers in the semifinal, in the Western Conference semis, I think they could take the Clippers. I think they could. And meet the Lakers in the Western Conference finals, but I, I just – I, I can't I can't see anyone else coming out of the West. I think there's a, a lot of good teams in the West, but as you guys have been saying, the Lakers are just too good, and the same could be said for the Bucks. I mean, I would love to say the Raptors could get back to the finals, but in a full seven-game series, I don't know, but they're so long and so good defensively, maybe, and they were able to slow down Giannis enough to get to the finals last year, but that's with a Kawhi Leonard on your team, but not to say that they can still get the same similar defensive production. I think there's just a lot of good contenders, but at, at the top, it's just too much dominance. But let's move it over to after series, after season awards. And the NBA has come out that everything will be voted on right now as we're talking to each other right now. They're voting on MVP, Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year. But let's start with MVP. Do you think anyone can catch you on? I, I don't think so. I think, you know, LeBron was making a, a solid push before the season had to suspend. And I think if had the season continued on, it might have been a deeper conversation. It might have been something um, worth discussing. But I think Giannis has been doing – way too much over a majority of you know the season before it got suspended for him to really lose um the lead that he had you know in discussions and conversation to become the mvp again lebron does have a solid case and i think you're going to see him finish probably second in the voting but i i think that Giannis is is the clear mvp and you know, I, I don't think we're really going to see uh, the voting be that deep. He's not going to be unanimous, I'll say that, but I don't think it's going to be a close voting between, you know, whoever's, for, whoever's first and whoever's second. Yeah, when it comes to, to Giannis, I feel as if, <clears throat> and I, I know we're going to get into the other awards, but just to start with his MVP case, I mean, what he provides offensively, you're looking at the, the rest of – the MVP candidates, you know, LeBron, James Harden, Luka Doncic, all those guys, <clears throat> excuse me, Giannis doesn't nearly need the, the ball as much. I'm um, looking at some stats now. This season he's had possession for under five minutes per game, which ranks 39th in the league. But somehow he's extremely efficient. I believe he's averaging the most points in the paint per game over the last 17 seasons. So we're looking all the way back. I mean, Shaq and, and Tim Duncan and then all these big post players, Giannis is, is leading the league and leading the stat for the last 17 years. He's been <clears throat> absolutely phenomenal. And 
not only that, in the pick and roll, as the, the ball handler, as the roll man, he literally does it all. Offensively, the, the numbers he's putting up this season, I believe it's 30 points, 13 rebounds, six assists, somewhere around there, you know, and his steal and block numbers as well. Those are the only numbers, or he is the only person to, to, to put up a season like this dating back to the 1940s. So we're looking at the ABA, the, the early NBA, no one else, Kareem, Bill Russell, Will, all of those guys, none of them have been able to put up uh, numbers that, that Giannis has put up. And, and I know when I, when I read that stat, it was absurd, but, but one of my, my, my mutuals on Twitter told me this and, you know, I was leaning you know, fully into the, the LeBron for MVP. And I was drinking the, the kid from Akron Kool-Aid. But it's gotten to the point where Giannis is simply undeniable. I mean, looking at the numbers he's putting up in, like, 31 minutes per game, it's just ridiculous. And, and yeah, you can make the argument that, oh, well, he, he's feasting against, you know, terrible teams in the East. And, oh, he gets to play – you know, the, the Wizards, the Hornets, Bulls, Knicks, Pistons, Hawks, Cavaliers. He gets to play all those guys like three times a season. Sorry if I mentioned the Wizards, but I'm just saying I just named teams outside the playoffs. He gets to play all of them a ton every year. He's basically playing you know, the, the dregs of the NBA for about a third of, of his season. But at the end of the day, <clears throat> you play who's on the schedule, and we can't complain when he's feasting against these teams. Because regardless, this is still NBA-level competition. You know, he's not playing college teams. He's not playing G League teams. He's not playing teams from overseas. This is professional athletes, top of the class, the best of the best, and he has been dominant. The numbers he's put up averaging, you know, like I said, the, 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 the stats across the board, all this without having a reliable three-point shot in the amount of time that he's doing it, is just ridiculous. I'll get into his, his defensive player of the year case later. But just in terms of most valuable player, it's it's him bar none. And that's coming from a Lakers fan, everyone. That's yeah. coming from that's unbiased journalism right there. Yes, sir. Give, give it, that that must be the, the best vote of confidence for giving it to Giannis than <laughs> anywhere else you can hear. But let's get into rookie of the year. I mean, I I, I can't see a world that Zion Williamson comes away with this award. I, I just think even before Corona, which is what they're voting on, John Moran was the better player. Does anyone else see different? I think Zion, when he was able to play, you know, had shown how dominant he could be. You know, like Heaven said at the start of this show or earlier in the show, you know, he was really putting up like Shaq numbers in the games that he could play. But, again, the games that he was able to play was limited. Now, if it were a full season um, and, you know, this whole coronavirus thing didn't happen or the season didn't have to get suspended, now I think that Zion would have made a push to possibly edge out John Morant. But the fact that, again – you know, Zion really put up those numbers in limited time and limited games. I think that's what's going to give John Morant um, the rookie of the year voting. Again, it's probably not going to be unanimous. 
it's probably going to be a little bit closer than the MVP voting. But like you say, Christian, I don't, I don't see any way that that John Morant will not be rookie of the year. But I think that Zion would have made a case had coronavirus not been a thing for this NBA season. Yeah, I feel like Jaws' case is is pretty much sealed up. I mean, like Will said, Zion made a, a phenomenal push over those those 19 games. You know, like I mentioned, putting up Shaq numbers, David Robinson numbers. He's a phenomenal player, and he managed to, to lead all rookies in, in points per game. But, you know, that, that once that game's played is, is a factor. You know, we saw a couple years ago, Joel Embiid, in my opinion, definitely deserved rookie of the year over – Malcolm Brogdon and, and Dario Sarge, but Joel Embiid barely played. Brogdon was a contributor for a playoff team. Also, as, as a second-round rookie, as opposed to Joel Embiid, who had been in the NBA already, but was just hurt and, and rehabbing and using you know, elite facilities in, in Philly. I feel like the, the award was given to Brogdon for, for those reasons. Now, you have John Morant, who's putting up much better numbers Tim Malcolm Brogdon was a rookie. Jaws is leading rookies in total points and assists. And not to mention, you know, early on in his career, you know, he had a, an opening stretch that was phenomenal as well. He was the first player to average 20 points per game on 50% from the field while averaging five assists per game, you know, through his first seven games of his career since some random guy did it in, in 1984, Michael Jordan. Might have heard of him. So, you know, job putting up those numbers early in his career, I feel like mirrors what Zion did early in his career. And Ja has been able to continue that high level of play up to this point, shooting close to 37% from three as a rookie, managing to, to be, you know, pretty, uh, I think that's league average from three when, you know, he wasn't, you know, uh, uh, tabbed as an elite shooter coming out of college. He's been phenomenal having to step into <clears throat> that role in, in Memphis, you know, for the newly traded uh, Mike Conley, you know, taking over that, that the point guard duties there after Conley was there for like a decade. Now John Moran has led that team into the thick of the playoff race. You know, when they were picking top five in the draft these last two seasons, I think his case is as undeniable as, is as undeniable as Giannis's case is for MVP, simply because of, of what he's been able to do at the position, transforming the culture on that team in that city. He deserves the award, and he's a phenomenal talent. He's just been so much fun to watch this entire season. But to round out this award segment, let's get into Defensive Player of the Year. Who are you thinking, and is it a one-man race like all these other awards, or – you might go somewhere else. I think defensive player of the year is definitely not a one-man race. I think you have, you know, a sure two candidates in Anthony Davis and, of course, in Giannis. Um, I, because, you know, Giannis is a sure MVP, I don't think that they're going to give him defensive player of the year as well. Of course, it happened a couple of times in NBA history, I believe six times if I remember correctly. Uh, that it happened where an MVP also won Defensive Player of the Year, but I do not think that this would be one of the times. Now, Giannis is a great defender as well, but I think Anthony Davis has just as good of a case, you know, 
for that defensive player of the year award. And I think because of that, you know, they're, they're, they're going to try to avoid giving Giannis both awards, you know, with the MVP and the defensive player of the year. But it's not like, you know, Giannis is going to get robbed of the award. It's not like, you know, Giannis was putting up crazy numbers, but they're going to give it to somebody who was putting up half the numbers that Giannis was. Anthony Davis has shown that he is a good defender as well and has shown that, you know, that he is able to really be stout uh, in the front court. And I think that he will be the one to get the defensive player of the year award. Uh, well, uh, while I would like for Anthony Davis to win the award, uh, he's been absolutely phenomenal defensively. He can guard one through five and he's really transformed the, the, the Lakers defense. And it, it shows, you know, he's so good at defense, you know, when, when he's off the court, you know, somehow the, the Lakers defense gets better. It's like similar to a, a weird Kawhi thing back when he was on the Spurs. And it's it's strange. But you can't ignore Anthony Davis's elite defensive talent. However, however, I feel as if what Giannis has done on that end, it's just, I mean, he's just on another planet. Now, dating back to, it was a, it was a matchup a couple months ago between the, the Bucks and the Pelicans. And obviously I, I've gushed about how Zion put up historic numbers as soon as he arrived. And there's, there was one exception to that, his game against Giannis. Now, in that game, he shot, I believe it was five for 19 from the field. And against everyone else, he shot 62%. So 26% against Giannis, 62% against everyone else. I mean, that's just an outlier. You know, Zion usually dominates with his strength, his leaping ability against Giannis. That's out of the question. At that point, now Zion is searching for different ways to score with finesse and technique, and he doesn't have that yet. Simply put, Giannis is, I think, in my opinion, by far the best defender in the league. You know, Rudy Gobert has made a case, and Anthony Davis has made a case. Ben Simmons has been phenomenally, or has been phenomenal in, in Philadelphia. I think Giannis has just made just so many strides. You know, he came to the league, he was raw and, and lanky and didn't have that, that elite physique that he has now now that he's packed on weight and, and he's he's buff and he's filled out a little bit I think he's transformed completely and he's been putting up historic defensive stats for the last few seasons I mean he's like one of three players in NBA history with 500 blocks and 500 steals before turning 24 and I mean like just looking at the numbers he's put up has been insane uh, looking at a couple more stats now, he's in the 99th percentile, you know, of NBA players when defending against isolation. I saw a tweet a couple days ago. Apparently, only three players in the league have scored in ISO against him. Now, I don't know how correct that is. It said, like, Julius Randle, Shabazz Napier, Marcus Smart, and it, it pulled stats from NBA.com and, and Second Synergy. I don't know how accurate their stuff is, but, I mean, that's just absurd. That's just absolutely ridiculous. The Bucks have the best defense in the league, and he is the anchor of that defense. Brooke Lopez has been phenomenal on that end as well. But Giannis, I mean, without playing with a Brooke Lopez or a traditional big man, 
like Robin Lopez or any of the other bigs on the Bucks roster. They have a defensive rating of 89.1 in 254 minutes. So when Giannis is at the five and he's playing, you know, that, that roaming free safety role, the Bucks have an 89.1 defensive rating. Just, just reading that and, and saying it sounds so insane to me. The fact that he's been able to do this, you know, after coming from the physique that he started with when he entered the league, he has been the centerpiece. He's been the, the, the linchpin of the league's number one defense. And, Will, you might not like his chances of doing it, but I personally think Giannis will become the third player ever to win MVP and defensive player in the same season. Other two, Michael Jordan, Hakeem Olajuwon. He's putting up historic numbers offensively, defensively. He's been doing it defensively for a while. But this season, now, I feel like his case is undeniable. You know, and if somehow that the NBA cheats him for and gives it to Rudy Gobert for, I think it will be a third time. Uh, I, I won't know at that point if Gobert wins it and he gets played off the floor again in the playoffs for the Jazz, then it's, it's just a recurring trend at this point. It's happened the past two years now. He, while he's made some strides this season, <clears throat> the guarding on the perimeter, it's it's definitely a weak spot, and the the Bucks. They defend at the rim better than anyone else in the league. So, you know, it's not like, oh, well, Rudy Gobert, he, he protects the rim and patrols the paint. And, you know, that's why he's one of the, the best defenders in NBA history. Like, no, Giannis does it just as well. And they have the top defense. I feel like the best guy on the best defense should get the award. And it will be Giannis. I could not do another year as Rudy Gobert's defensive player of the year. I, I, I can't. I, I refuse. I refuse. But could you imagine just what a crazy year it would be after he won MVP last year, the comeback, win MVP again, defensive player of the year, and then take his team to the finals and maybe even win those finals where he would most likely be finals MVP as well, go into Orlando and leave with four pieces of hardware? That's unheard of. That's unheard of. And, it, and we're not going to hear it this year. I, I don't think we're going to hear that happening this year. Mm-mm-mm. I I think I coming in. I was I was with Will in giving Depoy to Anthony Davis, but hearing all the things that Heaven said, <laughs> I, I think I think I'm with Heaven. I think I'm yeah. with Heaven. I think MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. Will it happen? Maybe maybe not. But I would like it to happen. Y'all could be disappointed. Like <laughs> <laughs> y'all, y'all gonna be disappointed. I'm telling you, it's it's not gonna happen. I mean, we'll see. Well, we're reaching the end of the show on this one, and not every team could make it down to Orlando. Now, who are some players that you know had a very good season, and you wish could have made it down to Orlando, and either they decided not to go or they just didn't qualify overall? Who was cooking, and you want to see them continue cooking? I think for me, you know, you you asked two parts of that question. You know, who decided to sit out, and then who also just didn't make it. So in terms of players that decided to sit out, I think Victor Oladipo is, is my player that uh, would have wished to see, you know, but he started to – he came back from the injury. He was starting to do a little bit well after the injury, but, of course, playing in Orlando – you know, off of that layoff, off of that injury, 
You, know, you might have some soft tissue injuries that could happen in um, in Florida. You know, with him being laid off so many so many months, so he decided not to play. You know, I would have wished that we could have seen him play a little bit more, but doing the best for what he feels like his body uh, should be, which is taking that rest. You know, not playing uh, in Florida, and then we'll see him next season. So, in terms of a player that sat out, you know, that was invited but decided not to play. Victor Oladipo is my player. Now, in terms of a player that just didn't get invited because his team didn't do good, Zach Levine. And in Zach Levine, you know, in the month of February, excuse me, had two 40-point games. You know, Zach Levine is overall an electric scorer for the Chicago Bulls. Is he going to stay a Chicago Bull is the question uh, that is, you know, circling him right now. But you know, for Zach Levine, just the way that he's able to play on a Bulls team that, you know, isn't that great. You know, they, they could have possibly uh, made it into Orlando if the NBA wants to be a little bit more generous. The Bulls are only eight games back. You know, the Wizards are six games back. So, you know, if the NBA felt generous, the Bulls could have made it to Orlando, but I don't think they would have made any any noise in Orlando. But Zach Levine, just the way that he's able to play, the way that he's able to score, how electric that he is. You know, we saw the comeback against the Hornets when he made those two three-pointers, you know, with, I believe, like under 10 seconds left in regulation or something like that. So, you know, he is just a, a, a great player, and I would have loved to see him play uh, once again. But, again, he's going to be another player that, unfortunately, we have to wait you know, a couple more months to see uh, him back on the hardwood. Uh, to answer that two-part question, I would say, a player that chose to sit out that I would have liked to watch, um, Avery Bradley for the Lakers uh, this entire season. Uh, or should I say before the season, you know, people were a little on the fence about that acquisition. You know, uh, last year with the Clippers and the Grizzlies for, for Avery, he, he wasn't playing his best, you know, and he came to the, the league or he developed a reputation, I should say, as one of the better defenders in the league. You know, so, so last season for him was, was really uncharacteristic. But over the course of this past season, he's been, you know, really, really phenomenal on that end. And he's, he's even displayed some, some scoring chops. He had a game against the Suns, you know, where he was phenomenal from the field. And we all watched his, his game, uh, Lakers-Clippers uh, round three, when he had – I believe like 24 or 25, regardless, you know, he's been really great for the Lakers. And obviously uh, I understand the, the reason for him sitting out, you know, his son has a history of, of respiratory illnesses and, you know, he's committed to, to protecting his family. And not only that, he's been a, a prominent voice, a prominent player, you know, in, in the, the league's uh, fight for, for social, uh, equality, you know, he's been addressing player concerns about racial injustice and everything going on with the movement. So, you know, he's pledged to, to use his time to, to focus on, you know, helping his, his community and uh, protecting his son and the rest of his family. So at the end of the day, I can't slander him for that. You know, uh, as far as uh, a player that I would have liked to see Invited to Orlando or a team in general, I gotta say the Hawks. Uh, Trey Young, this this past season, 
uh, despite being traded for, for Luka Doncic and, you know, then it, it being a little frowned upon. And, and last season, we all saw him after the All-Star break. I thought that was his peak. This year, he's been phenomenal. I mean, regardless of how you slice it, you know, you could look at win-loss or whatever. But the guy's averaging almost 30 points, and he's averaging nine assists on 36% from, from three. That's basically league average. He's doing this at 21. I mean, to, to make an all-star game in your second season is phenomenal. I think that trade between the Hawks and the Mavericks on draft night worked out perfectly. Now, would the Hawks you know, rather have Luka Doncic? Obviously, yes. But getting Trey Young and, and him evolving into this player that he is, phenomenal. As far as the rest of that team, John Collins, he was suspended, you know, for a little bit, you know, due to some PED use. But he came back and he's been phenomenal, consistent 20 and 10 guy. And now he's shooting like 40% from three or he was doing that down the stretch. Then, of course, the trade deadline, you know, they took advantage of Houston trading uh, Clint Capella. They made a move on him. Now you've, get, now you've got uh, another dominant uh, guy for, for Trey Young to use in, in the pick and roll. So I would have liked to, to see them. I would like to see that that new young uh, big three in Atlanta play. Of course, they got a ton of other guys, Cam Reddish and, and Kevin Herter, all those guys that, that can contribute to the overall makeup of the squad, DeAndre Hunter. So I would have liked to see that team. Personally, I, I would have liked to see them more so than I like the Wizards, especially with the Wizards not having Davis Bertans and Bradley Beal. But, you know, the Hawks – they have to get, you know, some wins at some point. So would have liked to see them. Would have liked to see Avery Bradley, both of them outside of the bubble for, for various reasons. But at the end of the day, I like who we've got inside. Yeah, the Hawks are definitely on the rise. And when they're coming back next year, they have so many young players. And like you said, when they got Clint Capella down there, it's going to be a dangerous team, especially if they can get Zach Collins to stay. But – for me, selfishly, of course, I would love to see Bradley Beal. I mean, he was on a mission after getting snubbed from the All-Star game and finished with 30.5 points per game. One of the – out of 20 people, only 20 people had done that before him. And he was making NBA history, and he was just flat-out cooking. He was just flat-out cooking. but. Obviously, sat out with rotator cuff injury. Get better. We'll regroup, see what happens. But on the WNBA side, I just want to, because you brought up social justice, have Natasha Cloud. This is her second year of using her platform of trying to make change within our community, within D.C. as well. Last year, she used all of her media availability talking about gun violence within uh the District of Columbia, and then they went on to win a, win a finals. And she's passing up going to three straight finals to continue to fight for social equality, social justice for everyone in America. She's just such a great player and just had to shout her out before we get out of here. But that's going to do it here for our NBA preview on WSU Sports Zoom Talk. I'm Christian Gardner. That's been Heaven Hill, Wilner Lewis. Follow along on Twitter at WSU Sports, and also check WSU.net for more articles about the NBA and everything sports-wise, including MLB, anything you can think of, including soccer, football. It's all there on WSU.net.
I'll check you out later. Peace.